Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. Today I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm very well, thanks Coach Steve. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. You know why I'm good, Nick? Why? Why, why? I just was able to squeeze in a workout. I am riding the workout high, the workout endorphins, the thing that we are all addicted to, those who are training hard, lifting heavy, and pushing their bodies to the, the point of discomfort. Nick, point of discomfort. I was gonna to say to the, you know, to the extremes, but you're not really pushing your body to the extreme. And I don't think those folks that, um, you know, say, oh, you just gotta train hard and you gotta be a, go to the limits and push yourself. Like, I think that's like really extremist type training approaches, right? Like, you know, we don't never need to destroy ourselves and hurt ourselves and, you know, go to that extreme limit. Like it's a punishment, Nick. I think many of us would benefit from just aiming for that target where it gets uncomfortable discomfort, you know, outside of that, that area where we can uh, have the capacity was a little bit difficult. That's where we're striving for. And I've just completed that. So I am right in the high, Nick. I'm feeling great. Don't we just love training? What did you do? Just a bench press. How good is bench press? <laughs> yeah, bench press is awesome. So, yeah, um, that's excellent. No wonder you're feeling um, all ready to podcast. I'm ready to podcast, ready to rock and roll. But no, look, Nick, on a like a more personal level, like I have had some uh, challenges over the past maybe month or so with my own training. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I spoke about a little bit in a video on our Facebook social hub where uh, I think just the, the compounding factors of life, you know, life things getting thrown at you, you can imagine our, our job is a little bit uh, challenging and stressful at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my own personal life, my my boy is, is one year old. He's uh, actually closer to 14 months now, and I'm expecting my second boy in about a week, Nick. So my, my partner, Laura, she's, she's due any day now. So my life's a little bit uh, stressful right now, and that kind of carries over to my training. So for me to find time to go and train is getting a little bit tough. Uh, and when I do go and train, my my mind is elsewhere. Um, I'm fatigued. I'm tired. I'm not sleeping very well. I've got lots on my, on my mind. Um, so when I go to lift, it's it's not as great as it used to be, right? And you have to kind of take that moment to auto-regulate sometimes being like, hey, you know, instead of benching you know, 100 kilos, 120 kilos, whatever you're going to lift, maybe you, you don't need to do that today. Maybe you, you bring it back 5%, 10%. Instead of doing 10 reps, maybe do eight reps, you know, scale it to how you're feeling on that day. A little bit of a readiness approach, a little bit of a self audit, a little bit of order regulation. I don't be doing that a lot lately just to try to get through some, some training sessions while my mind is, is preoccupied. So when you have those good sessions where things are moving nicely, you've got to celebrate them, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep. You got to celebrate the good ones and just keep going through the ones that aren't as good because it all adds up. Yeah, you're right. And I think many of us in the challenge, we're moving into week two of the challenge. We, we've probably experienced that, whether we've just come back to training after some time off or maybe entering the gym for the very first time. Maybe you're experiencing that fatigue and not just training fatigue. I'm talking life fatigue. I'm talking about how you know many of us work. Many of us have kids or family commitments, social pressures. We have responsibilities. So when all of these things are compiling and pressing on us, we can't expect that we're going to be, you know, Olympic level athletes in the gym because 
uh, Olympians, you know, their full-time job is just to train, <laughs> um, you know, no disrespect to Olympians, like they may not have the same stresses as you do, Nick, or I do, or, you know, you listening right now. So if you are expecting a lot of yourselves to be able to train, you know, seven days a week and be able to go for a run every single day and, you know, be in an energy deficit, plus be giving your full energy to your, you know, job and your uh, family and your friends and all that stuff, ah, oh, you know, sometimes we need to have a give and take. We've only got so many resources that we can actually provide around, right? Uh, so it's just an introspection and just a bit of reflection and it's okay to have an off day. It's okay to not be at your peak. Uh, because what matters is, is 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 turning up. What matters is actually going in there and getting some work done. It doesn't need to be 100%, you know, it could be 90%, it could be 80% turning up, giving something um, and then, then continuing the process, right? And that long-term commitment is more powerful than waiting for the the perfect, the peak, the, the best performance that you could possibly give. Definitely. Nick, a couple of things littered in my little spiel just then. Number one, uh, I will be taking a little bit of time off once my baby arrives. Um, so hopefully, Nick, we can record this podcast a little bit early next week uh, so I can uh, prepare for, for my boy to arrive. Um, I'm talking about next week's podcast, Nick. Uh, and then I'll probably be taking a couple of weeks off um, of things like social media and the forum. So, uh, Nick, you in man in the fort? Yep. You'll be fighting. <laughs> no, it's going to be all set up. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to be happy days. Um, so I'll just be having a little bit of a time out. But Nick, you're more than capable to to run the show. Yes, it will be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, the next thing littered in there was that um, I and we do have to announce a uh, small apology or medium-sized apology, where in the first week of the challenge, we experienced some unforeseen server issues where thousands of you were joining the M Challenge app, trying to utilize all the features in our M Challenge app, which overloaded our servers. And from that, it was like a snowball effect of different errors through creating nutrition plans, creating shopping lists, tra uh, creating training plans, saving plans, uploading photos, all those things were bottlenecked into our server and it led to a range of errors and a rapid increase in the response time of the M Challenge app. Now, in saying that, uh, it took just a couple of days, two days, for our developers to uh, launch a new update and drastically increase the speed um, of the M Challenge app and resolve um, a range of errors that were presented in the M Challenge app. Okay, so if you are joining us for the first time you went through week one and you're like oh, this app is pretty average you made it to week two you're listening to this podcast you're still committed um, i'm here to tell you that we've made significant improvements to the m challenge app you will see that there's uh, drastic speed increases and a lot more functionality to the m challenge app um, and if you are still experiencing some errors uh, it might be because you were interacting with the app um, in week one when we had those server challenges. And if you were to redo some of the functions, for example, if you, your uh, shopping list isn't presenting well, you may need to just simply recalibrate, you know, re-engage with the feature of creating your nutrition plan and it will, it will solve all of your issues. Um, others, I would suggest that you make sure you have the latest version of the M Challenge app. Some others, if you're still uh, facing challenges, you may benefit from, um, uninstalling the app and reinstalling the M Challenge app to your phone. And then finally, for some others, um, if you are having some challenges with your Wi-Fi connection, which would cause a slew of errors in the M Challenge app, try turning off your Wi-Fi and using your cellular data and you may see a steep increase in the M Challenge app, okay? Yes, all good. All good, yes. But look, uh, within the 
M Challenge, within the M Challenge app, we are approaching it just like we approach our own training and nutrition goals, Nick, where we are constantly uh, reflecting and refining our app. And we are working almost daily with our developers to um, troubleshoot a range of different er uh, errors and, and issues that may arise with, with the M Challenge app. Um, and uh, uh, making a, a pathway, a plan over the next 18 months, Nick, into 2024 for updates for the M Challenge app. Okay, now we've spoken about different updates that we have in mind and in, uh, in, in the future. Many of those involve um, really beginning specific about how we prescribe nutrition and training and a range of different um, user experience upgrades so that you can get a greater and better experience with the M Challenge app, okay? Mm -hmm. But just like uh, how we would expect you to take on our coaching advice, we are more and always uh, open to listening to advice and feedback. So if you have any um, suggestions about how we can improve the M Challenge app um, or any feedback, which many of you have provided for us already, which has shaped the future of the M Challenge app, please reach out to us on places like the forum. We're happy to have a conversation. You can start a conversation on our Facebook social hub where you can uh, join in the community where we're talking about different features that we're working on. And then you can also email us privately at support at mchallenge.com.au and we can um, you know have a bit of a dialogue via uh, an, an email if you want to talk a little bit more about how we can improve our app so it's all about development it's all about improving and just like how we approach our training and nutrition goals yes many avenues to communicate with us as well and we monitor everything so um, we're all over everything sometimes we're all over it a message to one thing it's me and then the next one is me too <laughs> no it's so good it's so good nick no i love i love chatting with with challenges and i love um you know helping to troubleshoot not only their experience with the m challenge app but their experience with their fitness journey where often uh we can provide advice but that's not the answer the answer is often within the answer is often within yourself and it may take just a, a moment to reflect on uh you know how you're going to overcome a challenge because uh within the challenge we all face our own unique challenges nick we all face our own problems with uh, being adherent to a training plan and a nutrition plan and when we face challenges we can reach out externally for help and support but often the answer lies inside about okay how am i going to get to the gym how am i going to get my steps up I'm not losing weight. What can I do? Am I really being adherent with my plan? Am I really being adherent with my, my training program? Um, you know, am I actually staying away from the ice cream and the wine and all that, all the good stuff? These things you have the answers to, and we might not have the answer. We can only guide you. We're like maybe, maybe, maybe a map just guiding you where to go, but you need to walk the walk, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You need to, to take responsibility at some point as well, but we're here all the time to help you. Nick, let's power through today's episode. Challenge Weekly Show episode number 89. 89, what a funny number. 89. But 89. Nick, let's move on to our community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. So, Nick, would you like to start us off? Who would you like to highlight this week? Okay, so I've got Colleen Wendy Somerville. Hi, Colleen. So she says, LOL, putting it all out. Green is a new black. So she's wearing a green bikini in this picture. But seeing this bikini on, I'm not so sure anymore. Anyway, let's get lean for the green bikini. So that's um, referencing Nicola Gibb, who did that as well. Um, might have to buy a different bikini for the after pick, though. So um, she set herself a very tangible goal in terms of something that she can, a piece of clothing, something that she can measure and um it's awesome. She's having a bit of fun too. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, Colleen's done a, a number of challenges with us, uh, finishing in the top three once upon a time. So I'm sure she knows what she needs to do and has the skill set to do that. And, um, you know, hopefully she can stay adhered to her plan and give it give it her all. It's going to be great. Mm, she does know. All right, Ashley Chettleberg. Hi, Ashley. So he's got a what's on your plate Wednesday. I love the flexibility the nutrition plan provides while still maintaining some simplicity. Steak, mushrooms, pasta, salad, avocado, zucchini, fritter, and a drizzle of sriracha. Stick to the basics and gradually make some modifications as you learn and understand the nutrition plan better. The new episode of the Challenge podcast that was last week's with our great coaches speaks about the building blocks of nutrition. Check it out, everybody. So yeah, you guys can go back and check that out. And um, I like it. Ashley's pretty much summed up everything that I'd like to say. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah, Ashley's uh, a little bit of a, a, a wizard with his meal plans lately. Um, you know, really leaning on that building block idea where we're, we're gathering different blocks, you know, some protein, some energy, some fruits and vegetables. And then you can skin it any way, any way you like and often leads to some, some really great food creations. So great job, Ashley. And then I've got another one here. I've got um, Nada George, or it could be Nada, but I think it's Nada. Nada George. Hi, Nada. How are you? Um, so she's got asparagus scrambled eggs on sandwich thin. So everyone in the challenge loves their sandwich thins. Um, chicken and salad wrap, mission low-carb wraps and extra salad, bolognese with edamame pasta and a sprinkle of low-fat cheese. Snacks today were a burn bar and two rice cakes with peanut butter. Easy peasy. So that's um, her entire day. I love seeing people's day on a plate and it sounds like a really well-rounded day where she probably felt pretty good at the end of it. Yeah, and I, even just like looking at that, I'm like, oh, that 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 seems tasty. It seems simple. It's like, oh, yeah, scrambled eggs on a on a sandwich thin. Yeah, that that's pretty pretty straightforward. And you know, a, a chicken salad wrap. Yeah, I probably have that every every other day. Um, and then like a spaghetti bolognese. Like, how good? <laughs> great, great job. You, that was awesome. That's you every Tuesday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's the leftover from Monday, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Monday night is uh, spaghetti night in my household. Yes, for you. For me, it doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't have the leftover. No, no, that's mine. That's 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I'd like to highlight a few people this week. First one goes out to Lisa Willis, and Lisa writes: Sometimes you just have to keep it basic to get the food in. Don't feel like you have to make every meal fancy. I'm on a different journey to most on this page. I'm bulking. I have found that keeping things simple is the best way to hit my macros. Don't overcomplicate it. Uh, I like this one from Lisa. Um, I love that she's got a different goal. She's trying to bulk. She's trying to gain weight or, or build muscle. Um, mm. And, you know, really highlighting that point of keeping it simple. And I think simple means lots of things to different people. Keeping it simple might mean, hey, I just want to hit my, my calories. I don't want to worry about macros. Keeping it simple might be, hey, I want to eat the, the same thing every day. Or keeping it simple might be, you know, I want to have, um, you know, follow the meal plan uh, for breakfast and lunch and then dinner, I have it with my family and, and keep it simple and not overcomplicated. So simple means whatever it means to you. And, and for Lisa, it's leaning on that building block idea, you know, prepare your protein, prepare your energy, prepare your fruit and vegetable, put it on a plate and, and, and consume. And I like that simple and it gets to the point. I dare all the other people that are lurking in the shadows that are trying to put on muscle and are eating in a surplus to come out and be on the page and share with us your journey as well. Nick, next one here goes out to Chantal Adams and Chantal writes, 
NSV for me with uh, in bold uh, capitals and uh, with uh, five, six exclamation marks. I like that. Six exclamation marks. When one doesn't count, three doesn't count, you need six. Love it. <laughs> Chantal writes, NSV, non-scale victory is what it stands for. She goes, every day this week I've gotten up at 4.15 a.m., quarter past four, and when my alarm has gone off and gone out to my gym shed. Ooh. Whether it's been a, uh, a workout day or getting my steps in the treadmill, I have not found excuses and I've not gone back to sleep. I've also not deviated off my plan with my food and water has been on point every day. I'm already feeling so much better, so much more energetic, so much less brain fog. I'm loving this new Shani, lol, Chantel Shani, so good. Um, Chantel, congratulations for waking up at quarter past four and getting into your shed gym. Let that be either to train or to get your steps in, keep going kick some goals and celebrate the NSV. Yeah, how positive. Well done, Chantel, Shani. Shani. And last one here goes out to Deborah Hoberg and Deborah writes, Coach Nick and Steve. Nick, you got you got in first on that one, Coach Nick and Steve or Steve <laughs> and Nick. Yeah, it's Nick and Steve. Yeah. Now you've got- Happen over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've gotten the techie issue sorted, you legends can you release more M challenge merch. I missed out and really, really want Nick's hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I like this one, a simple one, simple one. Uh, yeah, we are releasing more uh, merchandise. Our merchandise store is getting a little bit of an upgrade at the moment. Um, and maybe if you ask Nick very nicely, she'll send you her hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's think about it. Let's think about it. What would someone have to do? Like I don't know. Maybe an autographed hoodie from 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 Nick. Sounds, I know, sounds but pretty how cool could someone do that? Like, let's think about it because you never know. Well, Nick, if I am away for a, a week or two with with baby, and there so happens to be a hoodie that disappears from stock with your autograph on it, I, uh, it's not 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 on my watch. I'd say. Okay. So let's just do this. Um, we can do the the best community highlight for next week. Can win a signed hoodie. That sounds exciting. But how do we define best? We decide. We have the power. We <laughs> make creative. You heard it here first. No, I like that. Yes. So if you are listening to this and um, you're not sure how this community highlights work, simply post into our Facebook social hub on Instagram or even in the forum, talk about your experience, maybe an NSV, uh, maybe a win that you've experienced, um, or even just what's going on. And we might highlight you and Nick might send you out an autographed and challenge hoodie. How exciting. Yes. And so the, like the black one that I'm wearing, I'd have to autograph it with um, with liquid paper. <laughs> I'll figure it out. All right. All good. All good. So good. So good. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have the Coach's Corner where we offer our tip for the week. So, Nick, take us away. What advice do you have for us? So I've got just a short, sharp bit of advice. Um, It's just about the idea of eating, quote, unquote, healthy and that you still need to watch your portion sizes. Now, the thing with uh, healthy food, quote, unquote, healthy, is say, say your fruits and your veggies. They've got a lot of fiber. They're, they're, um, they're quite filling. So it's really hard to overconsume those. So I'm not talking necessarily about overeating broccoli. I'm yet to really meet anyone who's like, I, I got obese from eating broccoli. I don't 
uh, you know, I, I haven't YouTubed it, so I could be wrong, <laughs> but I just don't think that that's the case. I'm talking more about these interesting foods that people go, oh, I'm being healthy. So perhaps you've gone from, from having, you know, McDonald's every morning on the way to work to having, um, you know, a couple of handfuls of nuts or a couple of boxes of nuts. And you're like, this is so good. It's so good for me. It feels so good. It's amazing. Or, um, you know, you, you pop peanut butter on a piece of toast and, and you think, oh, this is good. This is better than a muffin at a cafe. Now, the thing is, the serving sizes of these things need to be really, really watched because they've got a lot of fat in them and fat has nine calories per gram. So you know how we always go on about carbs and carbs being so scary and carbs being so bad. Carbs have four calories um, per gram and so, so does protein. So if you think about it, we've just got to watch when we're, when we're you know, in a calorie deficit or dieting or whatever you want to say, restricting energy a little bit, those foods like your peanut butter, your nuts, your avocado. So if you think of a serving of peanut butter, I think you've said this before, Stephen, I think I have too. Like it is, I mean, I'm holding up a tiny little circle of my my finger and thumb. Like it's it's not really that big. And that little tiny portion, which is probably a teaspoon, even that's probably about 100, 120 calories. So if you think about it, you could easily be eating 600 calories and not realizing it. So it's just those hidden things. Also with the meats. Um, somebody sent me something and was saying that these portion sizes okay. Now, quote unquote okay. Once again, it, it depends. But in general, if you if you don't want to weigh or you go, what's going on with you know raw cooked blah blah blah, the size of your palm, just your palm, not your whole hand, is a portion of meat pretty much. So have a think about that as well. Also, there are different cuts of meat. So just because bacon is a meat doesn't mean it's necessarily the nutritious sort of type of meat that we might want to eat on a regular basis to make sure that we're full and feel good. So it's just, I just want everybody to be aware because as soon as that ticks with you, avocado is another one. As soon as it ticks over with you and you go, wait a minute, I was eating a full avocado thinking that it was all okay. And it is okay. But the thing is, if you want to just make sure that your calories are where they need to be, you sort of do need to make sure you're tracking the portion sizes of things that are very healthy, divine, beautiful foods, but need to be tracked accurately. I could easily eat a jar of peanut butter right now. My Let's talk about my leptin and ghrelin right this second. No, thanks. After dieting for so long, I could go to the peanut butter right now. Coach Steve, I could eat it while we're talking <laughs> a whole lot and not even not even have that as a snack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think you, you really highlighted a, a, a key thing in, in two parts. One would be the idea of healthy because I think there's lots of foods out there that are marketed as healthy. You know, one, I mean, Coles and Woolworths had their own aisle of, quote, healthy food. Um, and, you know, just to comment on some of the requests that we have been receiving for foods to be added to the database, many of those foods are, quote, healthy foods, which, you know, I don't, I don't know how they get, like, throw the label healthy on them. You know, some individuals are sending us chocolates and cake uh, and, and wine and things um, with the pretense of, uh, it being healthy, um, and you know, healthy is a spectrum, sure. Uh, but I think we need to be careful about labeling a food as healthy and then just disregarding portion size and seeing like, hey, 
this is a carrot cake. It has carrot in it. Therefore, it's healthy. I can eat the entire cake. And you go, well, hold on a second, right? It probably has a really high caloric density and it can be problematic, right? So that's, that's one side of it, yeah? Mm. The other side of it is that idea of portion control. And and Nick, do you, you've watched Seinfeld in the past, right? You, yes. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, love Seinfeld. There's one particular episode um, do you know the uh, the the frozen yogurt episode, the low fat frozen yogurt episode? Yeah, yeah you're nodding your head. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, the whole episode pretense is that um, I don't know if it's uh, Jerry or, or who, who is it. They they find this frozen yogurt store and it's low fat. It's healthy for them. And and then everybody starts eating this low fat healthy yogurt and they all start gaining weight, right? Because uh, oh, it's healthy. I can eat. I can eat as much as I want, right? Uh, and you can. See, it's just a, it's a funny spin on it, where it's like, well, it, you could, right? Let's say low fat yogurt or low fat frozen yogurt. It's low fat. It's usually low in calories. You could eat quite a bit of it and enjoy it, but it needs to be within a portion control. You can't eat a whole truckload of it <laughs> because that can be problematic as well. So I think you really highlighted that, Nick. Yeah, and look, this is only relevant to people that are going, I'm doing everything and I can't see a shift in the scales. If you're doing everything and you're feeling good and you're looking awesome and everything's happening for you, keep doing what you're doing. Don't change anything. It's just more for the people that are maybe busting their butts and not quite realising that there's that those foods that you just have to be a little bit aware of. Yeah, no, Nick, so good. Uh, look, I'd like to talk a little bit about the idea of the idea of accuracy versus precision. Okay, accuracy versus precision. Now, uh, Nick, starting off with an, an analogy, uh, have you ever been paintballing? Have you ever been to paintball? No, but I've heard no? about it. You've heard about <laughs> it. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, often uh, the, the stereotype is a, a bunch of young dudes like myself going with their buddies and they're shooting yeah. paintballs at each other to, you know, try to give each other a welt. You know, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah I reckon um, it's good. So similar to paintball or any type of uh, shooting sports, let's say shooting uh, guns or, or even archery in a way, when you've got paintball, right, and you, if you've been paintballing, you experience this, you, you're holding your paintball gun and you, you're looking down the barrel and you've got your buddy lined up and he's looking the other way and you're like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him square in the back, right? And you pull the trigger and you watch this paintball fly straight and then it whips to the left, goes whoop and it just in the air it flies and flips to the left and you're like that's hmm. strange that didn't line up with where i was shooting so you go again you're like all right my buddy hasn't moved i'm going to shoot him again you shoot you watch the paintball go straight and then it flicks to the left and you find out that this paintball has like a curve to the left so what do you do you adjust for that error in the gun right it might not be calibrated properly or might have a bit of dirt in there whatever it is so you just turn the paintball gun a little bit to the right and then you shoot and you watch the paintball go straight, turn to the left and then hit your buddy right in the back. Okay. So what this is suggesting is that the paintball may have a very low accuracy because where you're aiming for it, it doesn't hit the mark, but it's precise. You know, you could uh, consistently see it curve to the left, you readjust and then you're able to hit the mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and then another similar analogy would be something like a dartboard. If you're familiar with a dartboard, there's like the outer ring, the inner ring, then the bullseye in the middle. Imagine if you've got like your dart, you're throwing it, 
and you keep missing the bullseye, but you landed in that like middle circle, yeah? So you're, you've got some accuracy, you're kind of hitting that middle circle, but it's not precise, it's not straight shot every time. Now, this type of analogy versus accuracy versus precision is very similar to how we should be approaching our nutrition, okay? Here's the deal, we can, I was gonna say we can never, it's very unlikely to be highly, highly accurate and precise with our nutrition, okay? There are just a, a range of variables that can interfere with how we uh, consume the foods that we eat and how we digest it and absorb that food, okay? For example, you might eat the exact same thing every day at the exact same time, maybe um, uh, sourced from the same types of location at the, the, the same season, it's it's sitting in the warehouse at the exact same time and, uh, you know, let's say you're eating chicken, the chicken is, is, is grown and fed the exact same way. Let's say all those things are exactly the same, which I've highlighted a few variables already with, with nutrition. Um, then how you prepare that food is going to vary. You know, how uh, dehydrated does the food become? How long do you cook it? How do you prepare it? How quickly do you eat it, chew it, uh, then digest it and absorb it? What state are you in when you absorb it? All these variables can um, alter um, how accurate we think we are with our nutrition. Now, we should not strive for accuracy with our nutrition. We should strive for precision. We should strive for precision. Now, an example of this would be the idea of cooked food versus raw food when we're, when we're weighing our food. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter actually how you measure your food, if you measure it raw or cooked, okay? As long as you are consistently doing that. Now, think of that idea of raw versus cooked in weighing your food. It can, you know, that's two different numbers, you know? Uh, 50 grams of rice versus 100 grams of rice cooked versus uncooked, that's exactly the same as your paintball gun shooting to the left. Because if you are consistently weighing your food, let's say cooked, and you are incorrect, but you are consistently incorrect, so your accuracy is wrong, but you are precise, consistently precise, then you are consistently applying a stimulus to your body, and then you can manage that stimulus. So for example, if you consistently um, incorrectly measure your calorie intake by let's say 200 calories, you are consistently incorrect by 200 calories. So you might think that you're consuming 2000 calories, but really you're consuming 2200 calories. That doesn't matter too much because what you can do is just simply track your body weight changes. Are you losing weight? Yes or no? Yes, you are. Great, keep going. Doesn't matter if you're 2000, 2200, as long as you're consistently eating that number, what you think you are eating. Yeah. Then if you're not losing weight, you go, okay, well, I think I'm eating 2000 calories, little asterisks, you're really eating 2200 calories. All right, what if I reduce my portion sizes by 10%, right? Where you, instead of eating 100 grams of cooked or uncooked rice, you now eat 90 grams of cooked or uncooked rice. So you think you are consuming 2000 calories, you reduce it by 10%. So now you think you're eating 1800 calories, really you're consuming you know, 2200 minus 10%. So maybe you're now consuming 2000 calories. But the point is you are consistently incorrect. But that's what's important because you are precise about that. And then over time, no, no biggie. You, you reach the goal that you're trying to, to reach, okay? So for some of you out there that are really concerned about, let's say, how many grams you are eating, uh, should I be eating 90 grams or 86 grams or 100 grams? Eh, it doesn't matter. As long as you're consistently consuming that number, that's all that matters. If you think, oh, well, what brand of bread should I get? 
hey, it's bread. It might, it might vary by like 10 calories, depending on what brand you get. What probably has a more significant effect on the bread is if you toast it or if you put it in the oven or if you make it into a, a jaffle or a toasted sandwich or if you eat it just just straight like those things probably change how many calories are in the food more than what brand you buy so whatever approach you take whether you decide to have cole's brand or woolworth brand bread or um i don't know other bread names um whatever brand you you decide to consume it doesn't matter too much as long as you're consistently consuming that brand so if you're sitting there thinking oh well steve i've got uh, analysis paralysis because my favorite brand of bread isn't on the food database. What am I meant to do? Don't worry. Don't worry. Just consume the bread that you want to consume. Be precise with it. Be consistent with it. Treat it like that paintball gun that's constantly flicking to the left. Uh, if you just consistently have that, you can realign your precision and then eventually hit your target and go, okay, well, I'm eating this bread. I'm not too sure how many calories I'm eating. I'm losing weight. Great. I uh, keep keep going. I'm not losing weight. Okay, just reduce the portions down slightly, uh, and then you can strategically um, affect the outcome, which is weight loss or weight gain. Okay. So main takeaway: accuracy versus precision. Accuracy doesn't matter too much because it's near impossible. We want to be precise of what we're doing, consistently being uh, uh, actioning what we're trying to do. And that is helpful when we are consuming similar foods over and over again so we can be more and more precise. Mm, precisely, consistently incorrect. I think I'll get you a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> you would like that. And also one time in the podcast we can talk about you. I don't think we will, but um, have you heard about how um, for, for refrigerating cooked pasta changes the molecular structure of it? Yes, I have. Uh, mm. And if you want my quick thoughts, I yep. would go, does it matter? I no, don't know. If you I... consistently popped it in there, that, yeah, but I just think that's interesting. Anyway, that's yeah. nothing to do with what you just said. No, no. Just, um, just yeah. molecular structure. <laughs> I do think that, um, you know, you can definitely pull down rabbit holes, and we all like rabbit holes around uh, nutrition. Um, and you can do the exact same thing with, the, with most things around life um where it, it might benefit the the one percent at the very very top um but for many of us it's simply just noise and it it's not the big rocks that we should worry about so um if you are concerned all right should i be having a certain brand or should i be putting my pasta in the fridge or should i be toasting my bread <laughs> ah like that's all just noise that in the, the bigger thing up. right you're about to step on stage if you're doing that like you you're really just you, you, you can tell us what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when you'd want to be like super consistent, being like, hey, I toast my toast every day, every morning, and this is what I eat. But you wouldn't be worried about your toast. You'd be worried about a slew of other things, Nick. Mm. Look, let's move on to our question and answer segment where we answer some questions from our community. So, Nick, first question here comes from Taylor. And Taylor writes, I absolutely trust the team and have put this amazing program together. But I do have one thing I would like to understand. The four days training, question mark. How does that work to see effective results in six weeks? I love that it's concise and I just want to understand as I've always been five days with a hit session. Nick, what advice would you give to Taylor about, um, you know, our programs being four days a week and she has a history of maybe training five days a week with a hit session or five days a week of hit sessions. Uh, I think it's five days a week with a hit session. So maybe six days a week. So six days, what would you, what would you say to Taylor? Wow. Okay. Um, I would just say, firstly, assess 
how that is working for you because I have to say that because if it is working and you've got the body composition that you want and you love it, then don't change anything. That's what, once again, just what I'll say, because um, you've come, I think, because you are after something. So this is where I'd say um, it depends. <laughs> it depends. It doesn't really, I don't think, it, you know, it, it's not, four is not the magic number. Six is not the magic number. I think it's really to do with your program structure. So that's where we're pretty good. Because um, it's important to um, have enough volume per body part to get, um, you know, enough stimulus to, to actually make that change. So um, say a HIT class, um, you unless it's progressive, unless, I mean, the, the buzzword is progressive, but unless, you know, it's something that, that you can monitor, that is um, not really going to do anything necessarily for muscle growth. So that's um, completely different. So um, we're talking here about, I guess, um, body composition. So, um, yeah, you, Coach Steve, you really, you really write these programs. So I'm sure you're, you like to, a bit of muscle growth. Oh, you've, yeah. You've structured it. So um, there's enough volume to get that happening. Um, so I think it's really important to make sure that you're training at the correct intensity. I don't think that four days versus five days is going to, break the bank I mean perhaps when I first started I used to think more time in the gym was what would help but I think as I've gotten a little bit more um maybe just wiser maybe older probably a combination of the two I've realized that it's also about um just making sure that you train intelligently and that it's structured so um because our programs are I can I can say that that um I would trust the four days a week um but if you want to add anything i do i just ask you how is that helping you if it's like for your cardiovascular health if you're training for something then fine but if you're going for pure body composition goals i just trust the volume of the program that you are doing um yeah that that's what i would say i yeah. would change it because coach steve has put a lot of effort into creating it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah look i i would mirror what you said nick uh there's no magic uh number in frequency frequency how many days a week you train um as long as volume is equated for so we do know um and and mind my little rabbit hole that i'm about to take you on a bit of a journey we're kind of like alice in wonderland about to step in the rabbit hole nick so okay. I'll be quick about it. So uh, the main point is we want volume to be equated um, and volume to be distributed across days. We want to be cautious of density. So we don't want to be doing all our volume in one day because that could be problematic. Um, and we don't want to be spreading our volume across seven days because then the volume might be too low to get a significant stimulus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, four days a week is a nice number because it, it hits a great threshold. Many of us can commit to four days a week. If our programs were six days a week or seven days a week, some people might look at that and be like, I, 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 I can't do seven days a week. That, that, that's a lot. So four days a week is this nice number. There's some interesting studies that compared three days a week to six days a week of training when volumes equated and there was no significant difference in results. However, that's on the average. When we look at research, that's on the average database, data points. Um, and you may not be the average, right? Because remember, average is a, a range of different points. And we click the average and say, hey, on average, there was no difference. However, you might be somewhere on the other end. So um, Taylor, you may maybe benefit from a higher frequency due to your environment, your lifestyle, maybe your uh, situation, your genetics, where you go, hey, I, I want to train more. We know that volume 
is directly correlated to muscle growth, meaning the more you do, the more muscle growth you have. However, there is this kind of inverted U shape where when we do more volume, it reaches a point where more isn't better because we just kind of add more fatigue. And if we're not recovering well from that, um, we face problems. So if you've been training seven days a week and you're not seeing any results, you may find that if you train four days a week, you start seeing results simply because you can recover better. You can train at a higher intensity when you do train. So those sets are more effective than just trying to accumulate more and more volume, trying to do more and more and more. Uh, so Taylor, um, over the next six weeks, uh, I would pose a challenge to you to simply follow our plans, see how it feels. Six weeks isn't, isn't too long, like you suggested, like saying, hey, uh, how am I meant to see results in six weeks? So even if the four days a week was a negative stimulus compared to the current stimulus you're doing, it is only six weeks. Then you could tick that off, cross it off your list saying, hey, I tried a lower frequency. It simply wasn't good. Or you might try the lower frequency and going, oh, geez, I feel great. And I can train harder, more intensely, and I just feel good and I enjoy it more rather than trying to commit to five days plus a hit session, six days a week. So coming out of that rabbit hole, the main takeaway is it depends, like you said, Nick, and uh, you know, you could add more if you really wanted to, um, but you just probably worth reflecting on what am I trying to achieve by adding more? Uh, could you train a little bit harder in your current sessions where you don't need to just constantly add more volume? Yeah, it's the universal one. Like if, if I ever, even if I put something up in the Facebook group, people will say, but I, I train every day and it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It, it really like nobody's got the the answer maybe when we all die there'll, there'll be <laughs> like the answer in in heaven it'll be like this is the correct amount of times to train and here's the gym <laughs> <laughs> no so good really knows we can only kind of go off um scientific data and 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 personal experience and other stuff like that mm. nick next one here goes out to ken and ken writes hey admin guys and gals do the workouts progressively get harder? I know it's only been two days, but I finished the workouts, but I finished the workouts, although hard, I feel like I haven't done enough. Are we supposed to throw in cardio every day as well? Maybe I've just been over training for a long time. Just a question, not in a disrespectful way. No disrespect, Ken, that, that's totally fine. Fair question. And you are not the first person to ask that type of question, okay? Similar answer to what we've suggested to Taylor is that you, um, you choose the intensity. And I'm sure that if I took Nick through a training session, <laughs> um, I could have Nick have a really intense and crazy leg workout with with just one exercise and one set of that exercise, right? Yes. I'm can, sure, can you please do that? <laughs> I'm sure I could put Nick in like a hack squat um, yes. and, and, and push her to absolute failure on, on, on one set with, with uh, you know, a, a great range of motion mm. and have her walking like a baby gazelle being born. Um, as she exits the, the hack squat, right? That'd be awesome. So you choose the intensity, Ken. Um, so maybe, maybe you're in the nicest way, in disrespect, just training too far away from failure, where, you know, really you could get maybe 20 sets on, I don't know, push up, and you decide to stop at 10. So you're nowhere near that intense level where it's difficult, um, and you might benefit from increasing the intensity. Now, intensity means either adding more load to the bar, so we're increasing how much weight we lift, or increasing the amount of reps we do so that we're closer to um, failure. Now failure, we're trying to get to technical failure where the exercise no longer looks like the exercise we're trying to complete, 
right? So an example would be that bicep curl, you're doing bicep curls, but as you get tired, you start swinging the thing and it looks like you're doing like a, a CrossFit kipping movement with a bicep curl. Ah, it's not really a bicep curl anymore. You're doing something else. That's kind of like that failure point we're looking for. Next thing Ken says, should we be doing cardio every day? No, you shouldn't, uh, you don't need to do any cardio if you don't want to, um, as long as you're reaching your kind of step goal or trying to progress your steps where, you know, if you're normally doing 5,000 steps, maybe aiming for 6,000 steps, or you're trying to hit that nice target of 10,000 steps, or maybe progressing from there. As long as you're getting adequate steps in, um, you don't need to do any formal cardio if you don't want to. You can if you like it, you can if you enjoy it. But remember Ken, the main takeaway here, bud, is that you choose your intensity, you may be choosing a volume that is a, a, a program that does, that does have low volume. For example, you might be doing the M Express, which is 30 minute workouts, quick, short, sharp. Um, you know, maybe you want to go to something like the M Classic, 45 minute workouts, maybe the M Plus, doing a little bit more. Okay. But similar to what we say about Taylor, you might just be accumulating more volume, which can be problematic. Um, and you might benefit from just training a little harder. Chilling right out, but not. <laughs> Nick, next question here comes from Amy. And Amy writes, has surprisingly started off this challenge with 95% accuracy. Ooh, accuracy. With nutrition and training. So happy with everything and really enjoying it. I have a long way to go in terms of weight loss. So I'm learning to trust the process. Ooh, we've spoken about trust the process. We want to commit to the process. And she writes, uh, so I'm learning to trust the process. It's hard but I'm doing it day by day. I took my measurements this morning and lost five centimeters. Scales have gone up two kilos. Not getting disheartened. It's actually making me more determined. But can anyone explain to me, is this normal? And how slash when will the weight start to come off? So Nick, Amy has lost five centimeters, whatever that means, wherever that is. Um, where, where from? But... Where from? I don't know. Mm -hmm. all over let's say all, all over all over um and she's gained two kilos maybe in that first kind of week or so nick can you give us an insight what might be happening to to amy um what she what can she do about it hi amy well um thanks for asking questions that's good um so that's engaging with the process um that's important i think uh i don't know your training history or anything like that either but i'm just going to assume that you're, you're new to it all so when you're first starting out, there are so many variables that can affect your scale weight, which is the same as um, even somebody who's been doing it for a long time. There are many variables that can affect what you weigh, your relationship to gravity on any given day. Um, so it might depend on, I mean, I always say this to women, but where you are in your cycle, you could have had all the best intentions in the world and, and you're just at that week as well. Um, there are just so many things. Um, I think, you know, uh, training, you know, inflammation from training, uh, gut residue, I think perhaps if you are eating as per our plan, because you're saying 95%, so I'm assuming that you're, you're um, you know, eating probably a greater volume of vegetables and fibrous foods, which, um, you know, that, that makes you at first feel quite full. Um, you know, you can, you can hold on to some water from, from um, training that that's all the things that I can say, Oh, don't worry about the scales going up. And that is great. Um, that's all reassuring to you. But at the same time, we do want to see the, the scales trending downward when we're trying to lose weight, at least after a couple of weeks, because otherwise we need to work out why instead of, if you've got a lot of weight to lose, instead of, sort of saying it's okay, I'd like to just say 
let's explore why and get this happening for you because you will need to lose body weight at some point uh, if you've got a lot of weight to lose. It's not all going to be sort of replaced and recomped into muscle or anything like that. So um, I think it's important to understand that. I mean, it is only the first week. Um, and, you know, in terms of that, your, your body will do what you are asking of it. If you are getting your steps in, if you are following the plan as best that you can, um, you know, if you're being sort of better than you were before you started, that's already really good. And um, you need to keep tracking and measuring what's going on. I think that's really, really important. And don't avoid that. And yeah, let us know how you go. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good answer for, for Amy. Um, I just want to go on my mini rant about measurements. <laughs> uh, Nick, I, 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 I think over my time, I'm like losing more and more respect for body girth or measurements. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just my own provocative, Nick. Uh, you know, like if I put a tape measure around my chest, if I breathe in and breathe out, like that's, you know, two very different numbers. If I went and just trained my chest when I did bench press, you know, I've got a, I've got a chest pump. My, my chest is bigger. Or if I trained my back yesterday, my, my lats are bigger. So if I'm trying to measure my chest, there's a lot more variables in my measurement. Do I have clothes on? Do I not have clothes on? Is my tape measure straight? Is it, am I doing it? Is someone else doing it for me? Uh, you know, these variables are, are greater than the scale weight where you've suggested it, Nick, where the two biggest factors for scale weight changes are, gut residue, which is how much food is still in our digestive system. You know, maybe you need to go to the toilet, right? Uh, or number two, fluid retention. And there's a whole range of different things can, can affect fluid retention. The big one, like you said, Nick, which is, uh, you know, hormonal cycles, but it could be sleep quality, inflammation, how much water you're drinking, are you drinking, are you eating carbs, are you eating salt, are you taking creatine? Like these things can drastically change our body weight from day to day. And it's better, better to measure your weekly average than just a day you know you i could wake up tomorrow nick you could wake up tomorrow and you know we're up or down two kilos and like oh that's interesting but when we measure our weekly average we go oh well on average my weight hasn't changed um or on average my weight is going down this week or going up this week according to my my goal and i think that's what's important to remember here so amy it can be very normal we often say the uh i call it the invisible two weeks where we should ignore the first two weeks of a diet or training protocol because um our scale waking vary a lot because we're new to these things once we kind of get through that that invisible first two weeks then we can start making changes to make sure that our scale weight is moving in the direction that we wanted to yeah good one i like it nick final question here comes from melody melody singing a song melody mm-hmm. writes is it better to do the reps suggested on the training program at a lighter weight or go a bit heavier and maybe do less reps I know there are positives for both, but curious what others think. I'm pretty sure the answer would be to follow the program and do the reps, but I had to ask anyhow. Smiley face, Melody, smiley face. All right, won't go too deep into this rabbit hole. Um, The crux of it is that we see significant muscle growth in any rep range between five and 30 reps, as long as we're training close to technical failure, okay? Our programs, depending on which level you choose, beginner, mainly 10 repetitions around number aim for 10 go for 10 you're a beginner intermediate we introduce that rep range maybe 8 to 12 repetitions a bit broader that idea is that if you are constantly getting to 12 reps on all your exercises maybe go a little bit heavier so that you kind of get close to failure around that eight repetitions and then you could progress from there you know try to get that nine reps that 10 reps get to 12 reps and then increase that cycle over and over again advanced programs you see a larger rep range maybe five to ten reps or ten to twenty reps a bigger rep range um, for 
those who have a better intuitive connection to their body, they're advanced and different exercises have different rep ranges. So your program might be like a, a five, 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, something like that. More advanced, more things kind of going on, okay? So should you go a bit heavier or a bit lighter? Well, you know, going from someone who's advanced doing like five reps and 10 reps might be the difference of like 5% or maybe 10% of the scale of the weight on the bar. So like, let's say if I'm bench pressing today, I might be able to do, you know, 120 kilos for, for five reps, um, or I can do like 115 kilos for 10 reps. You know, the difference there is maybe like 5% or so. Um, and that is a very big, big, range in reps so you know going lighter versus heavier is often a very small number on the bar okay um i think for many of us it doesn't matter too much if we choose to go kind of like what we perceive as lighter or what we perceive as heavier as long as we're getting close to technical failure um, where the muscle is at uh, a, a point of exhaustion you know we've got tension in that muscle you feel a bit of a pump you feel a bit of that burn and we're aiming for that rep rep range okay um now in saying that you can always like break the rep range a good example is push-ups maybe you're a relatively strong beginner you do 10 push-ups and you're like hmm, that was pretty easy all right don't stop at 10 you know keep going a little bit further where you might go to 20 25 30 reps and you might be like oh yeah i can bust these these push-ups out that's fine no dramas you know break the rep range that's just a prescription for the masses um you may benefit from just stepping outside of there and if something like a push-up uh is, is is suggested on your plan yeah instead of stopping at 10 you could do 30 push-ups go to 30 keep going you know um if you are able to do more than 30 you know you could bust out 40 50 push-ups <laughs> great you're awesome you're stronger than me uh, but number two you may benefit from adding more resistance maybe getting into a gym doing a bench press a dumbbell chest press something like that or adding load to your push-up like you know resistance band around your back while you're doing push-ups or maybe adding some some load to your back while you're doing push-ups if you're choosing to train at home but nick i digress for many of us rep ranges um it's just a tool um and you know we still need to train at intensity regardless if we choose to use what we perceive as lightweights or heavyweights it still needs to be difficult and challenging training yes i can't wait to be um just doing under five reps oh yeah that that's that's when the fun fun happens right? isn't it just yes well There's something exciting about like just just getting yourself ready just doing like three maybe five reps and then you're done within like a minute and you're like yeah that's yeah, great. <laughs> you feel better than than anything else, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, yes. Yeah, I've just introduced a little bit more uh, powerlifting training to my my program. Um, scale the volume down. So I'm I'm doing three exercises a day, Nick. Mm -hmm. Very similar to the Dad Bod Destroyer, almost identical program. Um, but I'm just doing uh, a shorter uh, reps. So instead of doing maybe that five to ten reps, I'll be mm -hmm. doing like three to five reps, so a little bit shorter, um, and I just introduced kettlebells back into my my, my training, and and you ever played around with kettlebells? I love kettlebells. Yes. Just, just, I, just I think fun. they're great, and I think down the track we should design a kettlebell M M kettle M kettle. See, the only problem is that kettlebells are not really a great stimulus for for building muscle, right? Great for like building strength or building power. So you know, like the kettlebell swing really mimics like a deadlift. So if you can be more, uh, have maybe a bit more endurance, a bit more power with a kettlebell swing, that translates nicely over to like a deadlift. Um, but if you're trying to build your glutes, a kettlebell swing probably isn't a good idea um, to to build that muscle. You know, um, so it's just kind of being specific about what we're trying to do. Like for me, I'm trying to build some strength, 
try to compete powerlifting. Um, so my approach to training might be a little bit different to um, how we prescribe in the challenge where we're building muscle. That's totally fine. Uh, if you enjoy kettlebells, get around it. Um, and maybe you'll see a, 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 an M bell or maybe an M kettlebell program in, in, in the future. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Cool. Nick, let's wrap it up there for episode number 89 of the Challenge Weekly Show. If you enjoyed that episode, let us know. And we'll catch you uh, next week for episode number 90. Um, we might record the episode just uh, a little bit earlier, um, just as I prepare for my my boy, but it'll probably be released at the same time next week. Um, we'll see you then. See you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.